0: Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Uh, Thank you so much for being here tonight. We have a really great show coming up with Robin Roche-Paul. Let me tell you a little bit about Robin. Robin has written a very unusual book. name of it is Breastfeeding in Combat Boots. And this is a resource for active-duty mothers and mothers-to-be who are seeking information and support on how to breastfeed successfully while serving their country. I would like to especially welcome Robin Rochepal. Thank you for having me on your show. Robin, I'm sure that it's obvious that Like so many mothers, you had your share of ups and downs with learning sort of the lay of the land with just how to breastfeed a baby. But you also had this issue of going back to work, as do many mothers. Many mothers go back to work and breastfeed their baby. But it sounds like when you've got the title like Breastfeeding in Combat Boots, It is a very different kind of go back to work. I think that we could all speculate that it was your own circumstances that inspired you to write the book, but I'd be curious to know, uh, you're a nurse, you're an IBCLC, uh, you probably felt as I do when I wrote a book, I felt like, oh gee, you know, I'm just a nurse. Uh, What actually inspired you to take pen in hand and say, hot dog, I'm going to write this book?
2: Well, it's even funnier than that, because I was not a nurse when I was in the military. I was Uh an aircraft mechanic. Uh So the nurse and the IBCLC is a completely second um, job for me, a whole second profession that was born out of me trying to breastfeed on active duty and not having any kind of support, no book, nobody knew anything at all. And I... Uh-huh. Went back to school, got the degree, got the IBCLC, and kept saying, well, nobody's written the book yet. <laughs> well, I guess I'll write it. <laughs> and that's all she wrote, you know, pun intended there. Yeah. Um,
1: and, and here we are. Oh, good for you. I will admit that when I read on the web about the mechanic part, I thought, now, wait a minute. How does a nurse end up being mechanic? But now I get it. It's it. It, it happened that apparently you were enlisted first.
2: I was enlisted. Yes, I was a E4 uh, petty officer, third class, working on A6 aircraft that are no longer even in in the Navy anymore. And I was out there getting greasy and dirty and working <laughs> with boys. And I never in a million years thought I would be where I am today. But you know, I joke at work today that fixing airplanes and fixing moms and babies so that they can breastfeed together. A lot of the same things apply. I'm very big on what we called preventative maintenance and fixing the problem before <laughs> it gets any worse. And I do that when I'm on the floor. I Absolutely. do preventative maintenance with the moms that
1: I that I work with. So it all comes around full circle. Amen. Oh, wow. Uh Robin, I, I'm sure that working mothers in general face a host of obstacles, and we've had several shows that have talked about working mothers. We've had a couple of shows talking about daycare and all of that. Um, so, so I realize that there's the whole bit with being separated from the baby, having to pump and store milk, and achieving and maintaining good supply and all that stuff. But uh, I, I'm guessing that there are there's a list as long as my arm of all of the things that military mothers might face that civilian mothers either don't face or don't face as often but if you were to name just maybe one or two big big obstacles what would those be for the military mother that would not be for the civilian mother
2: um i would say deployments. And yes, I realize that's a separation, but we're talking deployments overseas where they're shipping milk back home. They're out in the field. Um, I have to throw two more in there. Very male-dominated workplace. That's a huge issue. And hazardous material exposure. That's another big one um, that people are moms in the military are, are faced with. They're out on the range, so they're dealing with weapons. They're working, as I was, an aircraft mechanic, and they've got JP5 and oils and fuels that they're dealing with, and that's a huge that's a huge one that comes up as well.
1: Robin, many of us have encountered the male-dominated field, but I suspect that it's different in the uh, the Navy. I remember that the first time that I actually gave uh, it was a whole day of training that I gave to a Navy hospital, and. I was really quite surprised at at the environment. For one thing, everybody called me ma'am, and that just isn't what people usually called me. And, of course, my husband said to me, well, yeah, that's because you would have had the status of of an officer. And I'm like, okay, got it. But So so I really learned that it's not just about male-female. It's about structure. It's about discipline. It's about all of that rigid stuff. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. So your mom's in the military. Exactly. They're dealing with that. And there's a huge, um, difference there between, especially your enlisted and your officer, um, moms that are going back to work because your officers are generally, um, better educated. They're, they're getting paid more, um, just through their training. They've learned assertiveness just by virtue of mm -hmm. their, of their position. They don't have to ask for permission to go pump. Most of the time they're going to have an office or a private place to go pump. Um, you're junior enlisted, and having been there myself, you're at the bottom of the totem pole. You have to ask permission for everything. Everything. You're you're working in a shop with a bunch of other people, or you're working, you know, in an admin area with a bunch of other people. Uh, so you don't have that private place to go. You have to go use uh, the restroom if there is no lactation room, maybe a supply closet that's been converted, you know, something like that. Uh, and yeah, you're having to ask and go up your chain of command, and especially if you're in an already male-dominated area, which the military is, but then you're a mechanic or you're, you know, something along those lines. Um, now you're working with a bunch of guys, and you're having to go to your superior, who most likely is a guy, and mm-hmm. talk to him about the B word, boobs, breasts. <laughs> um, and then you kind of get into that whole worry about sexual harassment. Can I talk about this? The guys may necessarily not necessarily want to talk to you because they're concerned that we're talking about body parts that everybody sees as sexual. And yes, that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day, but it it. is very real and it's very there. So yes, all of that plays into this having to ask for a time and place. And that's, that's, that's major
1: by all means. So Robin, help me with this. I, I have sort of a flaky understanding that the military really does need to provide a time for you. Now, that may not have been true when you were in the military, I don't know. But in any case, do you still have to ask for your time? Yes. The policies are in
2: place, um, and we all the, all the branches have a policy. Now, I won't go into great detail, but they all have one. The Army just got on board here in September with finally putting a breastfeeding policy out. They all specify in one form or another that a time and a place is to be offered. But that is very much left up to the individual command, what they're going to consider a a suitable place. And it's very much left up to mom and the supervisor to talk about what times are going to be given. And the Air Force is very clear. They set out 15 to 30 minutes, three to four times a day. But the rest of the services say it's on a case-by-case basis. And so, yes, yes. Yeah. Mom needs to ask when she needs to go pump again. So, mm-hmm. Robin,
1: if, if I'm a military mother right now, and by the way, uh, this show airs in more than 100 countries, I think 180 or something. We know with relative certainty that we have people uh, at Vicenza, people at Ramstein, etc. cetera. So tell me, if I'm a military mom, what, how, what words do I use to get to be able to pump and get him to say yes? How how does that work?
2: I've heard everything from the mom <laughs> that is very straightforward and says, sir, ma'am, I need to go pump. <laughs> and that's that. And she's got a pump bag in her hand. And there's no muss, no fuss. I'm just I'm straightforward. I'm going to say it like it is. Um, oh. I've had other moms say, I need to express my milk. Um, other moms have said, hey, it's time for me. I, I, I need mommy time. Um, I need to make milk for my baby. I need to I need to go do what I need to do to feed my baby. Um, it's, it's time to get the milk-making machine going. I, mean,
1: <laughs> I have heard the
2: gamut of what people use to ask for permission. But most of the time, it's pretty straightforward. You know, whoever they're talking to, hey, chief, I, I got to go pump. It, or it's, it's, it's that time again, and they hold up the bag, and everybody knows that's what no. they're supposed to
1: go do. Uh, so does that usually get a positive response? Uh, that, that
2: depends.
1: (laughs) Yeah, how's that work?
2: Yeah, you're, you're going to hear a lot of that depends kind of answers out of me tonight. Um, some people are great about it and there's no problem. Some supervisors have been very proactive and even though the policy may not state that they need to have set times where mom goes and, and pumps, you have a great supervisor. They work with you and they're like, okay, well, we know that you need to go pump at nine, and five. And it's set up that mom's going to go do that. And maybe she doesn't even have to ask. She just knows she's got permission to to go do it. But then I have worked with plenty of moms on the whole other side of the spectrum that it was a fight tooth and nail to get the time. And they were denied and told, no, the mission comes first. The airplane needs to be fixed. The Humvee's got to get out. Um, you need to go fly. And pumping then takes a, a back seat. So...
1: Oh it's wait till sort of- we get wait till we get on the other side of the commercial we're <laughs> going to talk about how to handle those holy mackerel in the meanwhile tell me this uh, do you ask in a relatively private place or do you have all of these uh, heaven only knows how many other men standing there listening to you ask and do you get taunted by that how does how's, how's that
2: I can only go by what I'm told by the mothers I work with. Again, that seems to be that some moms do ask in a more private way, and other ones are are very out there with it and just ask mm-hmm. in front of everybody. The taunting and the hazing and any kind of being made fun of should not be happening. I won't say that it doesn't. I uh-huh. won't say that it certainly didn't happen when I was in. Um, I hear once in a while that that still does um, occur You know, the mooing sound as you walk out the door and you turn around and you can't catch who it was. Um, But I I definitely think that's way less than it used to be.
1: Would you say that colleagues feel that you get some special privilege? Oh,
2: yes. By Uh all means. I hear that Uh all the time. Oh, yeah. She's she's getting something special. She's getting time off. She's getting to go do that. Um, And, you know, somehow... We're sitting in there pumping with this machine hooked up and, and we're, we, we got our feet up and we're relaxing and it's a <laughs> thing. And if you've ever pumped, you know that it is, that is as far from relaxing and exactly. enjoyable as it possibly gets.
1: Well, I'm thinking that even with women, even with women who are nurses, I'm thinking one time when our labor deck in a major medical center was very, very busy and we were having a conversation with somebody on the postpartum floor. We said that we were trying to send this one nurse uh, to get her lunch who was pregnant, and I was astonished that other nurses felt that she should not get the privilege of eating her lunch. And the fact that she was pregnant, well, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, good grief, these are women. It must be a million percent worse with men. Oh, brother, Uh, I am here with Robin Roche-Paul, who is the author of Breastfeeding in Combat Boots. I would especially like to thank our sponsor today, Mamava. Or, as some would say, Mama Va, literally, Mom's on the Go, Mama Va, a modular suite offering a mother a safe, clean, and beautifully designed space to pump or nurse when they're away from home and uh, or work. Visit MamaVa, M-A-M-A-V-A, dot com, today. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here with Robin. We'll be right back after this short break.
3: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo?
0: Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff.
4: Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703 787 9894.
3: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: You're listening to Born to be Breastfed.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Marie Biancuso, for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with Robin Roche-Paul, author of Breastfeeding in Combat Boots, A Survival Guide to Successful Breastfeeding While Serving in the Military. And as you might imagine, Robin has actually done this. She's not just writing about it and talking about it. Uh, it it's real for her. So, Robin, before we went to break, I was asking you about the uh well, in this case, they're not cat calls, but it sounds like they're, you know, cow moos and such from men. Um, how was support from uh, or lack thereof from other women? Uh, <laughs> you know,
2: sometimes it's great, but I, I hear from a lot of moms, and I know I certainly ran into it myself. That um, the the worst support of the lack of support came from other women, and I've tried to figure out in the intervening years why that is, and. I've come up with a couple of reasons. I think one of it stems from their own um, lack of not being able to breastfeed. So they're either guilty or angry that it didn't work out um, yep, for them. Yep, and, of I course, agree. way back when there weren't any policies, it was even harder to, to try to breastfeed while you were in the military. Another big one that I see that's out there is that there's been so many strides for women in the military, especially lately. We've got ranger school has opened up. Submarines are open. um Virtually everything is open in the military now, so you have a lot of uh, you have a lot of old school moms and even younger ones saying, "You know what? We've made all of these strides, and you're just taking us back 15, 20, 50 years because you want to do this womanly, nurturing thing." Um, <laughs> and and why? that's a step back, okay? <laughs> right, and that's, that's a step back <laughs> because we're warriors and we're the military, and we've <sighs> been able to do everything the guys do.
1: And now you want to do
2: this. so
1: <laughs> Robin, you must have seen that photo that came out with these military moms, I don't know, a month or so ago here. And I was just astonished that somebody wrote, uh, it, I, I want to say it was Facebook, but I can't remember. And, and somebody wrote that military, this was not the way military mothers should look. Military mothers should not have a baby to breast. Did, did you see that? Can you
2: comment on it? Well, I if, if you're talking about the uh, photo that I'm thinking of, it was the Army one with the 10 moms that were yeah. breastfeeding. I was yeah. actually a part of that. I knew that was going to happen. Um, uh-huh. I had helped with them creating the breastfeeding policy that was put in place when they opened up their lactation room. So, I knew it was coming out, and I knew from previous experience that there was going to be a backlash. And yes, in previous times when we've had pictures of military moms breastfeeding in uniform, and again, that's a whole other issue, um, we always get those comments that women don't belong in the military, women shouldn't be having babies in the military, women shouldn't be allowed to get pregnant in the military, sterilize them, I've heard that one.
1: Oh, Um, my word.
2: Yeah, so there is definitely a, a school of thought male and female, that we don't belong here and if we are going to be here, we certainly should not be allowed to have children, much less put them to the breast, in or out of uniform.
1: All right, so let me get this straight. The people who are serving their country, the people that are laying their life on the line so that I can live in a free country, should not be allowed to have children and to nurture them in an appropriate way. Okay, good.
2: Yes. And they're laying down uh, their lives for you to have that comment and be able to make that comment because we have freedom of
1: speech. Exactly. But <laughs> well, well, and I'm thinking, you know, men also lay down their lives or or risk their lives certainly, and they do have children. It's just that they have them in a different way, but they're no less a parent, and that child is no less a child. I, oh, I'm it, just a, exactly,
2: uh, exactly. We aren't telling the men that they can't have families,
1: right? But, but the sterilization. It's because, oh, I just, oh,
2: it's because I think the breastfeeding so puts it in your face, oh. discreet or not. And again, that's another topic for another day. But it really puts it out there. That is such a feminine and nurturing thing to do, and you see that men they. You you don't see that with the men. You might see the occasional photo of of a man in uniform holding his child, but that's not the same as no. having a baby at the breast. No. And we know what images of babies at breasts do to people. Die, <laughs> now yeah, throw I in die. the military and professionalism and patriotism and all of the rest of that, and it's it's just it's a huge huge mess. And teasing out why people feel the way they do, I I I don't know. I I can't I can't get my head around it.
1: Well, I do agree with you about one thing that you said a minute ago, is that the women, at least, who have not... Who are, who, who are critical, are often those who either have not breastfed and they've been feeling guilty or angry or whatever. Over more than 30 years, I have noticed that as well, and I don't think that's something that is a military thing. I think it's just a thing, uh, certainly. But Robin, talk to us a little bit, because you've mentioned several times now, a couple of times at least, about the male domination. How does this impact? I'm, I'm going to back it up even further here. How does that impact your decision to be back on active duty and i know for instance that sometimes you have a very very few options for when you can go back on active duty and you've got to meet all the requirements and all of that you know how does all this male domination thing fit into the whole the whole picture
2: i think that's more just the attitude that's out there what you're 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 working with men that don't necessarily understand uh, breastfeeding mothering Pregnancy, um, especially the military has a lot of young people in it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can yeah. enlist when you're seventeen, eighteen years old. So, how many of these boys, men, um, are are fathers at this point? They they don't understand where you're coming
1: from. They don't get it. Um, yeah, unless well, you must have been young. I was. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I was nineteen, twenty. Um, uh-huh. I'd like to think that women are a little more mature sometimes in those respects. You know, they have that whole thing about women maturing earlier than men do, but I'm kind of mm-hmm. getting off on a sidetrack here. Um, <laughs> it's okay. I just, unless you've got, um, other men that you're working with that, that are fathers and their wives or girlfriends breastfed, they just don't, they don't get it. And they're still seeing breasts as being sexual. Yes. They can't wrap their head around it that that's, that they're meant to feed another child Um, and we're kind of going to get back into that whole. The military is, is meant to be masculine and warrior and you know, rah, 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 you've got a job to do, defend your country. And how do you mix that up with, again, this very feminine and nurturing thing that is being a mother and even more so breastfeeding because that's, that's the epitome of, of, being a mom. It's just the whole image, you know? Um, But yeah, when I say male dominated, I just mean you're working with a lot of men and you've got all of those attitudes swirling around you that you're kind of having to deal with.
1: You know, this would be a really good time for me to say, I don't in any way want to portray all men or all military men as being negative towards breastfeeding, and I'm sure you don't either. I'm thinking of of somebody that you mentioned in the uh, preface of your book, and I I remember reading that and thinking, oh, I know him, and that's Tom Johnston. Yes. Um, Tom Johnston invited me to do a program for him, I want to say, like, 1999, 2000, something like that, and Tom Johnston was young, and I think maybe he had maybe one child at the time, but nonetheless, he was very pro-breastfeeding, has certainly made himself knowledgeable, and has pushed forward for more knowledge in the military. I'm also thinking of a guy who came to my class, and for the life of me, I can't remember his last name, but uh, people called him Dr. Bob. Bob. Uh he also was very, very pro-breastfeeding, et cetera. So I don't mean to sound as if I'm painting with a, a broad brush here. But certainly in a male-dominated situation, you've got to be able to pretty much stand up for yourself. And I don't know what I would say if my commanding officer said uh, the mission comes first. I mean, did somebody say that to you? yes. Oh, brother. And
2: you know, at the time again, I was I was just a I was just an E four and I didn't have the <laughs> I didn't have the backbone I have now with with age. Um and I pretty much just kinda gave a meek okay and went out and fixed the airplane. Um and I was miserable, I was bursting, Ugh. I came in and my uniform had two wet, you know soaks of milk down my front. And people were laughing at me. And again, I was absolutely miserable. And I was like, I went back into my supervisor and I was like, I have to take care of this. I cannot do this anymore. I have to relieve the milk. I'm going to burst, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fine. You know, go whatever, do whatever you need to do. But you better have that airplane fixed within like the next half an hour. Well, I was going to take 15 of that just the pump. And so I'm rapidly trying to get it out as fast as I can. And all the while I'm thinking, oh my God, I got to get back out there and fix the airplane. And of course, sure, that didn't help my letdown any. I I was just going to say that. Yeah. (laughs) Threw my stuff back in my locker and ran back out and tried. But you know, it was just, it it was very difficult to, and I dealt with that on almost a daily basis. But through that, I built up more of a backbone and you know I persevered and got through it darn it he had milk for that entire first year of oh, life he never oh, had a drop of formula
1: but so, um Robin in retrospect in retrospect when your supervisor said you get out there and fix that airplane no you cannot take a break uh what would what do you wish you would have said
2: I well, I wish there had been a policy that I could have fallen you know, back on yeah. called back on and said, yeah. but the policy says I'm supposed to be given breaks. Is there anybody else that can come out and finish this for me right now? Or even without that, I I wish now that I had just said, well, you know, this is a health issue. I have to go relieve myself. I'm going to get mastitis and then you won't have me at work at all. Yeah. And I'm sure that, you know, Smith over there can can yes. finish this up for me. There's 10 minutes left of work, and then and then it'll be ready to go. But let me go take care of this.
1: <laughs> you know, it just dawned on me that people must think that pumping is optional. Like, you can pump or not pump or choose your time to pump or some such thing like that. And that is true. It certainly can be. But there are times when it absolutely is not optional. You really need to pump now. And I guess maybe we just haven't made we meaning all of us who are are pro-breastfeeding, maybe we just haven't made that clear enough. Holy Toledo, oh, what a story. And we're going to have more stories because I'm going to ask you on the other side of the break to talk about the stories that are in your book. And also, I'm going to invite people that if you have a question for uh, Robin, please call in. We will be happy to hear from you. Make sure that you listen to that 866 number. It's coming right up right now. Don't be afraid to call in. We'll take your question. I'm Marie Biancuso. We'll be right back after this short break.
3: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby-Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides, with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff.
4: Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit BreastfeedingOutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894.
3: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're
0: listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with Robin Roche-Paul, author of Breastfeeding in Combat Boots. Robin, in your book, you've got several stories from several women, and you give a little vignette. If you were to pick maybe your favorite one or perhaps one that you felt was typical or some one one that is absolutely a don't miss this story, what would it be, and can you tell it to us?
2: Mm, oh, that's a tough. I've got a couple <laughs> But probably okay. my probably my favorite and my um my go to is um Ginger, who was sent to Afghanistan uh, when her baby was under six months and um she you know she got the orders and basically was told with not a whole lot of time ahead that she was headed over there and um of course, she was in the medical profession herself, so she knew that she couldn't just abruptly stop she was going to have to going to have to keep pumping when she went over there. And then, you know, she decided, well, I'm over here and I'm pumping. Um, I'm going to keep pumping and I'm going to send it home. And so the entire time that she was in Afghanistan, um, she would pump a couple of times a day. Uh, She was able to keep her milk in the medical freezers. So good that she was already in the medical field because she had that access. And um, she she sent it home uh, via DHL because that was the one carrier that would accept her milk. She had a lot of hoops and hurdles to jump through. One, it's expensive to send it overseas, and you know she was having to send it pretty quickly uh, mm-hmm. to get it back to the states in time. Um, and I presume one, she
1: bears the cost for that. She bears the cost for yeah.
2: that. A um, little bit offset because when you're overseas like that in in a hazardous area, you your your combat pay and all of that is tax free. But still, yeah. you're looking at two hundred and fifty, maybe three hundred dollars per shipment. And she was, wow. sending it home. she was sending it home on a weekly basis. So you can do the math. <laughs> oh. um, the biggest issue that she had was one time the milk got held up here in the States coming through customs because they wanted clearance from a veterinarian. From, what? Yes, because somebody decided that it was an animal milk. Now, I get that we're mammals, but come on. Yeah. And would not clear it until... They contacted her husband who had to contact her in Afghanistan and she had to call back and explain that this was human milk, not cow milk or whatever else. And by the time all of that got sorted out, the milk at that point had gone bad because it, it got stuck in customs for like seven days and they had to pitch that entire shipment. But the whole rest of the time, her baby got milk the entire time she was gone, about seven months worth. And um, she was very, very proud of the fact that he had her milk through his first birthday. Um, The only sad part of the whole thing was, of course, because of the length of time, he would not come back to the breast. But he did get her milk the entire time.
1: Well, what a great story. But also the part about the animal milk, I'm thinking to myself... (laughs) This is why I wake up every day and do the job I do because we got a lot of work to do. Oh, (laughs) yeah, 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 yeah. So, Robin, you said you had another favorite story, too.
2: Yeah. um, Beth, who was a C-17 pilot in the Air Force, these are both Air Force moms, actually, um, she successfully breastfed both of her kids. And um, so C-17 is a transport aircraft and she was actually stationed overseas at uh, RAF Laking Heath because we do have a contingent of US-based military personnel that serve out of there. And they go on long, long missions, long flights. So eight to ten hours is not uncommon to be in the aircraft. And then they will fly because their transport, drop stuff off, maybe spend a couple of days and come back. So she's going to be gone from her baby not only a long time during the day, but also lengthy time going there and back again. And her command or her the people she worked with were absolutely fantastic um have a wonderful picture of her in the crew rest area. She's got her headset on she's got her shirt pulled up a little bit. You can just see the flanges she's pumping while they're in flight um the c seventeen has a little uh crew um refrigerator, so she's able to keep her milk cold there and then when she would get to the place that they were going to be for a couple of days. The, the return crew coming back would take her milk back home for her, and her husband would meet them and pick up the milk.
1: Oh, and then nice.
2: Course, then she would then make her return back a couple of days later. And so it worked out, and she said that her, her command was so supportive from the get-go, and she was able to breastfeed uh, both of her boys for over a year apiece. I think her first was almost two years without looking it up real quick. Um, so that's, what a success that's, that's, story.
1: Yes, yes, by all means. I was about ready for one of those after I heard about the uh, uh, the no, you can't pump, you've got to fix this airplane. I, I was about ready for a success <laughs> story here. Uh, tell me this too, Robin. Uh, this could probably be another whole show, but I have over the years had a number of questions. For example, uh what about the whatever it is vaccine? I know for instance that the c d c says here in the u s says that a mother may not have the smallpox vaccine, but she um, but I've heard that the Navy will let the mother actually get on the ship before she has to have the the vaccine, so therefore she can breastfeed the baby at the breast um so I'm good with all of that, but my I guess my question is have you really seen that play out? How do those Kinds of things work. Um, occasionally,
2: I do get questions regarding vaccines because you know the military gets sent everywhere, so sure. they get every shot imaginable. Um, smallpox is definitely one that comes up. Anthrax is another one because they do get vaccinated against anthrax. Yep. And then you, and then you but get the anthrax the more, is okay. But the anthrax is okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you get the more uh, run of the mill. At least for me, um, I have to do weapons qual out on the range. Is it okay for me to shoot? You know, my pistol, my rifle. I need to get qualled. Um, yeah. And then I'm asking, well, is it an outdoor range? Is it an indoor range? What kind of lit or what kind of bullets are they using? Are they jacketed? Not jacketed? Lead? Um, and then I get the, well, what about cleaning my weapon? Is that safe? Yes. Yeah, I get that it one. A, yeah, well ventilated area. Wear your personal protective equipment. And then I get the more, um, you know, out there, but not really for me because I was an aircraft mechanic. Um, I work with. Airplanes and I'm dealing with JP5 and JP8 and hydraulic fluid all day long. What about that? Um, and then the most common one is tear gas because you have to go through tear gas training. And so I get oh. that one all the time. Well, I have to go through tear gas training. Is it going to be safe for me? Yes, that molecule is way too big to get through your milk and it's topical. You may inhale some of it, but it's not anything um, that you really need to be worried about. Go home and take a shower.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that one. Uh I would say, yeah, I've gotten pretty much uh, a bunch of those questions. I, I think the the other thing, though, is what kind of guidance can you give us, if that's even the right word? I've got to believe that there are people out there who are firefighters or police officers or uh, or even hard-hat workers, anybody who does not have a nice, neat-and-tidy, comfortable office to pump in. You know, how... How, how does that work?
2: Um,
1: well, are you talking
2: about like towards hazardous materials, or just where no, they go
1: just, pump? just how do you find yourself a spot? And yeah, I guess <laughs> I'm talking about that too. How do you find a spot that is safe, but more importantly, how do you just find a spot? How do you just find
2: a spot? You get very creative. Um, okay. I've had moms I've had moms pumping in the back of an ambulance. I've okay. had moms pumping. I've got a wonderful picture of a mom pumping in, her hun- in the humvee. And she's got her pump sitting right there, and you can see all of the gear stacked up around her. Um, yeah, finding any place you can. I had a little supply room off of the uh, – a little supply closet off of the hangar bay. Um, uh, field conditions. You are in the middle of the tent, and you go find a corner, and you throw the, your, your jacket over your shoulders, and you pump facing the corner. Um, Hard hat construction workers. I've known them to just pump in the vehicle that they're going from site to site. Um, with that sort of thing. Firefighters, uh, police officers, again, firefighter, you've got the truck, it's got electricity, it's got
1: uh, (laughs) pump there.
2: Same with uh, police officers, they can pump in their squad car if they have to, because you never know when you're going to get a call in those situations, so you pump when you get the chance, and you you don't have a schedule.
1: (laughs) Robin, could you imagine a situation, like, I don't understand military well enough to exactly ask this question, but can you imagine a situation where you are stationed in one spot, but where you do your work is not necessarily exactly in that spot? Does that mm. happen?
2: Well, what I can think of that would be somewhat similar is when you're in the Navy um, and you're on board ship, they will call general quarters, and general quarters is like if there's going to be an attack uh, and they shut all of the hatches and, oh, and uh-huh. really kind of shut the ship down so that like if it was biological or chemical, it couldn't get to other areas of the ship or, heaven forbid, the ship was sinking, you have watertight doors. So oh, right, General right, right, Porter's right. drill, it's a drill. It's going to happen at any time you don't know. And when you're in one place and your pump is Three or In four
1: another days. place. Yes.
2: yes, and those watertight yeah. doors are shut. And they are going to stay shut the entire time that drill is going on. And guess what? That might have been
1: when your pumping session was. So Holy cow. So what do you do? Uh,
2: hopefully, where you are, you can maybe hand express if where you are has a restroom nearby. And yes, it's going to go down the drain. Or you suck it up and you wait until the general quarters drill is over.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I worked with a nurse who did hand expression by choice, and she let it go down the drain by choice. And she was just real fast with it and said, when we said to her, how could you let that go? She said, oh, there's plenty more where that came from. (laughs) Yeah,
2: and that's kind of the attitude you've got to have. There's plenty more where this comes from. And, you know, I'm not going to be miserable with milk-filled breasts that are ready to burst. And, of course, that can lead to all kinds of problems. Absolutely. You let it go. Yep, you you got to go. Let it go.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. but here's the thing. That's a really wonderful case for making sure that every mother who has any kind of environmental situation like that knows how to hand express. I have often said that any woman who has a need to get milk out of her breasts needs to learn to hand express. It doesn't mean that she has to do it on a daily basis. It doesn't mean that she has to choose it or love it, but she has to know how to do it for those exact kinds of situations. Uh. Yeah, I I cannot imagine. I was also thinking about special gear and other such things that could make it very, very difficult. Hey, everybody, look, at, don't go away. I am Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with Robin Roche-Paul, who is the author of Breastfeeding in Combat Boots, a survival guide to successful breastfeeding while serving in the military. Don't go away. When we come back, I'm going to ask Robin to wrap up with some of her most important points uh, and So don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break.
3: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The
0: Roo Pocket is a newborn carrier specifically designed for skin-to-skin contact, affording mom full coverage and hands-free mobility while giving and receiving all the physiological benefits of kangaroo care. Our unique fabric is super soft, breathable, moisture wicking, and it offers just the right amount of compression fit to ensure proper position and continued support. Hospitals and NICUs are implementing the New Roo Pocket for inpatient use to increase time spent skin-to-skin, as well as help improve breastfeeding scores and infant safety. Learn more at baby.com. That's N-U-R-O-O-Baby.com. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest.
4: for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894.
3: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with uh, Robin Roche. Paul. Robin, tell me this. You know, we've had a couple of shows already on daycare as related to uh, breastfeeding mothers, but I have a sneaky idea that maybe the daycare for military uh, children might have just a few quirks of its its own. Um, Am I right?
2: You are very correct. That is one of the number one questions I get on my Facebook page is, help, uh-huh. I've gone back in the daycare, and they're known as CDCs, Child Development Centers, on a military basis. So if I say CDC, I'm not talking about Atlanta, Georgia. Um, uh-huh. That, uh, oh, my gosh, they won't let my baby have my milk. Or um, they're saying that my baby is taking five and six and eight ounces uh, of feeding and the baby is six weeks old. Um, or I wanted to go and feed my baby when I went to pick my, you know, my baby up, and they said no, I couldn't do that because I was in uniform. So there are a lot of quirks in in the military. Um, they're supposed to follow, you know, the the usual. Um, the acronym is escaping my mind right now, but uh, the 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 help me out. I'm totally blanking on the name of it, but the national um, people that keep like track the of-
1: ADM the.
2: No, the, the, the national organization that, that covers all of your child care centers.
1: And because the military, oh,
2: yeah. you know who I'm talking about, and yeah, because the military yeah. um, gets money back, so they have to follow the USDA um, guidelines for foods and when they can start Uh, solids and all of that kind of stuff because they get money back for that. That's
1: the whole hoo-ha that I had from a mother just a bit ago, and actually she was not military, but it was that whole hoo-ha about the giving the cows milk instead of the mother's milk and all of this baloney. So, Robin, to what would you attribute that? Do you think that that's an issue of policy or do you think it's an issue of education for these people that are the child care providers?
2: It's an issue of education. Okay. Policy policy to a little bit because I do know that some bases... I've talked to the people there and they've said, oh, yeah, our our CDC has a great policy and we don't have any issues. So that definitely plays a role. Um, uh-huh. But then the policy is where you get your education Sweet. from.
1: Give us a quick rundown on the the services i 'm thinking, for instance, that in the Navy um, it seems to me that Captain Christine Curto, who uh, actually came to one of my lactation courses, was uh, heavily involved in writing the the policy for the Navy so the Navy has one the army has one what 's the story with the other services right
2: so um, as I said at the top of the show, the air the air army just put out a policy in September. They were the last to jump on the bandwagon. The Navy and the Marine Corps share a policy. Theirs is yeah. very, very similar, as is the Coast Guards. Um, okay. The Air Force, by far, has the best policy. There's clearly, okay. clearly outlines um, that moms are to have the 15 to 30 minutes uh, per break. They should have three to four breaks in a in a 12-hour period, um, that they're supposed to be in a clean uh, secluded space with running water and a locked door and electricity that is not a restroom. It is like bolded, not a restroom. Not
1: a restroom. Yeah. yeah. So,
2: um, and then hand in hand with that, of course, is your deferment from deployment. So the Air Force oh, right. and the Navy offer 12 months deferment from deployment. That does not cover trainings and schools and that sort of thing. I'm talking long term, going to Afghanistan, being sent out on the ship for six or eight months, those kinds of deployments the okay. army marine corps uh offer 6 months and the coast guard i believe is still on 6 months i had heard some rumors that theirs was getting revised as well so hey
1: robin try not to laugh when i ask you this question but um can a mother maintain lactation if she's on a submarine
2: i i don't see why not i've worked with moms on board ship that have maintained lactation um, well i well it seems be- to me
1: Like, she ought to be able to, but I'm wondering what the pressure or whatever that is, if, I mean, does that mess you up? I don't I think that not. would
2: make I don't think that would make any difference because it's pressurized yeah. when they go when they go under they they've got to keep it normal atmosphere. Well I'm
1: thinking you've got to maintain all of your other physiologic functions, so I guess yep. not. Yep. So so Robin, tell me this. Uh somehow or another you got through all this. You came out a better woman, a a better service person, a better mother, a better everything. Uh but if you had to, to do it all over again, is there anything you would have done differently?
2: Um no, because it made me it made me what I am today, and it was the it was the impetus for starting this this whole thing, writing the book, the Facebook page, the website. Um, no, I wouldn't change a thing. I'm very happy. My son was breastfed for well over a year and on active duty, and no, I'm very oh. happy with how it turned out.
1: <laughs> Good for you. Good for you, boy. I I mean, it kind of blows my mind when I'm thinking about women who have soft, cushy offices and work part time, and you know work. Half a block down the street from where they live and these and then they tell me that it's too hard to, to maintain lactation and you're telling me about a woman in Afghanistan holy mackerel you know that's really uh kind of puts things into perspective so Robin tell us this tell us the name of your book and where we can find it I will tell people that I have an amazon store on my uh, site. We do get us paid a small commission, so you can get it there or you can get it elsewhere, but we absolutely want you to be buying this book because Robin has a lot to say. Uh, talk to us about um, where else they can get it and uh, why it's so critical for them.
2: Right. So it's Breastfeeding in Combat Boots. The full title is A Survival Guide to Successful Breastfeeding While Serving in the Military. Um, it is available, of course, on Amazon. You can also get it via uh, for your Kindle um, It's available on my website, and you can get it autographed if you get it through my website as well. Um, my website is www.breastfeedingandcombatboots.com. I realize that's a lot to type in, but <laughs> you can also just Google breastfeeding in the military, and I come up on, I think, at least the first five pages. Um, on my website, you have a whole slew of FAQs. I have handouts that have been created uh, that are in PDF format, that cover a lot of the main issues, talking to your supervisor, hazardous materials, shipping your milk home. I give how-tos on all to, how to do all of that. I have the newly um, updated information on Tricare, which we didn't touch on. Tricare now covers breast pumps. They didn't do that previous to this year. So gobs of information um, out there. I have a Facebook page, um, Breastfeeding Combat Boots, on the Facebook page. That's a wonderful place for moms to post questions. They will be answered by myself or my admins. We're all IBCLCs. And they can post pictures, which is a wonderful way to show encouragement to one another. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter, BFNCB. You can find me both places there. And I just opened up a Pinterest account, so you can see some of my pins that I've been throwing up there um, as well. I'm
1: all over. I got social
2: media. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I was thinking, there is still no grass growing under your feet. Holy! Oh no, wow. ma'am.
2: And then to go a little bit further, if I've got you know the thirty seconds left, breastfeeding in combat boots is right now in the process of becoming a nonprofit because I want to be able to do more advocacy at the governmental level, and I'm also in the process of working with Mom to Mom, which is a military support group, to um, start having breastfeeding in combat boots. Uh, live support groups in person on bases and they'll have my training materials and be able to use my book and my information to run support groups.
1: For oh, what for a friends. fabulous story. Well, then you go, you go, girl. <laughs> <laughs> All in uh, addition to my full-time job at the hospital. uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, what do you do in your spare time? But anyway, wow, as usual, this hour has gone much, much too fast. Uh, I've had a really good time tonight. I hope that everybody has enjoyed talking with Robin Roche-Paul. Robin is the author of Breastfeeding in Combat Boots. Uh, Check it out. Also to check out is... MamaVa, that is M-A-M-A-V-A dot com, MamaVa, for a pod that is a portable pod. As you know, we talked about that on the football field a couple of weeks ago. Uh, So anyway, I am your host for Born to be Breastfed. I am here every Monday night. For those of you who feel that you need more information, uh, visit my website. It's www.borntobebreastfed.com or my professional website at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com Robin, thank you so much for being with us tonight.
2: And thank you so much for inviting me. I had
1: a great time. Oh good, I'm so glad. And for everybody else, you just remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.
1: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program. Brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.